Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to a brand new Arse Blog Arsecast right here on arseblog.com. Hope you're well. Uh, I'm I'm pretty all right, I have to say, um, in case you're worried. You're probably not. I'm having a frustrating day, though, because I've lost something. Um, and not a small thing either. You know, if you put down your phone or a pen and you can't find it. But a bag, which uh, was a certain place, I thought, which contained two microphones and two microphone stands. I uh, went there today to, to get it, and it wasn't there. Now, I can't be the only one where this thing happens, um, where you look for something and you look where you think it is and you can't find it, and then you go back a bit later and it's there, where you thought it was in the first place, but you just didn't see it, or it wasn't there. I remember a Twilight Zone episode, I think it was, where basically the world that we live in now was being recreated moments in advance by a team of people who just put everything back together because I don't know exactly why, but, you know, they had these people there who would put the lamp back on the table and the keys in the in the bowl, and sometimes they'd forget to put the keys in the bowl and, and uh, they'd have to go back and, you know, you'd... And you'd be looking for the keys, and then they wouldn't be there. And then they'd realize they hadn't put the keys back, so they'd put the keys back. And then the next time you go there, there are the keys. And the keys weren't there in the first place. So what the hell? I mean, it's certainly possible that it, you know, I'm not the most, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Noticey? That's not the right word at all. Um, I'm not someone who notices things. There's got to be a word for that, and I can't even think of it. That's going to annoy me now. What is the word? observant. That's what it is. There's a text message, I guess. Um, But anyway, yeah, I'm not the most observant person of all time. Uh, And it has been known that I've, I've, uh, you know, just not seen things that were there, but I'm frustrated by it. But anyway, you know, enough of that. Um, We are on this particular show going to look back on what happened in the Champions League, uh, which has brightened the mood considerably which is a good thing, you have to say, because, um, well, it was all a bit doomy and gloomy after the Tottenham game last Saturday, and I understand that to a certain extent. You know, it wasn't the right result. It was um, a disappointing result. It was two drop points against a pretty shit team, and, you know, I understand frustration and everything else. But it was, it, it seemed to be a bit like, I don't know if it was overblown or, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It just felt weird. Maybe because uh, I didn't get out of the house enough this week, but it did feel a bit weird. As if all the people who get simply no joy from football whatsoever were everywhere. There was perhaps a lack of balance or or something, and it made the build-up to the game against Galatasaray a little bit um, tetchy, 
That'd be a good word. I was confident we'd win, even with the injuries. I thought we'd uh, we'd beat Galatasaray, and um, well, I was right. And it doesn't happen often, so I'm just going to sit here for a moment and, and bask in the being rightness of it all. It's quite enough, quite enough basking. Um, thank goodness this is not a, a, a vidcast. You, my basking pose is yeah, it's it's probably best kept to myself, but it was good. And it was uh, a fantastic performance from Danny Welbeck and a fantastic uh, team performance, I think, because people talk about Galatasaray being terrible, and yeah, they were pretty terrible in that first half. But, you know, we, we've played terrible teams before and not done that to them. So I think the the thing where people say, ah, but it was only X team is kind of shit, really. Because you can play X team and struggle and not do well, and that's happened to us more than once. So it was nice to see that when we did turn it on, um, you know, we were able to to produce and, and to really get on top of the game and to kill the game off both sides of half time as well. Because sometimes when you come out at 3 0 up uh, in the second half, you're a bit casual or a bit inclined to sit off and you don't go with the same energy but you know we went 4-0 up and then of course we uh, we were down to 10 men which was uh, I think a little bit unfortunate but we might discuss that with our guests in a little while that whole goalkeeper thing and the sending off and when you consider the challenge that Felipe Melo got away with on a yellow card it's a, it seems to me an overly harsh punishment for Chesney not only does he get sent off, uh, we have to make a substitution. Then they get a penalty, uh, which turns out to be a goal. And, of course, Chesney is suspended for the next Champions League game. Uh, and all because he was just a little bit late, whereas the guy who went leaping in with two feet off the ground on Alexis, and he gets a yellow card, and that's that. Doesn't seem quite right, I don't think. But uh, Ospina came on, made some good saves. One very good save. I love that one where he just hung there in the air for a bit and then caught the ball and then pushed it away. They were talking about that being a save for the cameras. But, um, yeah, some very good saves. But also a couple of moments where you're going, Whoa, what are you doing there? What's the... Why? Where he came for a ball and just sort of let it go. And I don't know. But uh, maybe I'm doing him a disservice. Obviously, we haven't seen a, a great deal of him. Uh, but uh, he's bound to get some more chances uh, throughout the season. Um, and performances uh, of the team. Oxlade-Chamberlain was great. Cazorla was great. We had uh, Chambers, again, really good on, on the right-hand side. That If somebody had told you before you watched him play this season that he had played less than 25 Premier League games, some of them only as a substitute, you wouldn't believe them because he's so calm and assured and composed on the ball and so determined to get forward. And I, I, I liken the shit out of him, I have to say, Chambers. Kieran Gibbs gets a call up to the England squad, which is well-deserved, I think. If he can stay fit, I know it's a, a big if considering, A, he's Kieran Gibbs, and B, this is Arsenal. A combination which, the way things are going, could see him paralyzed from the neck down and fed through a tube for the rest of his life. But if he can stay fit, I think he's going to be an absolutely great player. Um, he's shown in the last two games, he's got great energy going forward, good defensively. He's 25 now. He's not a kid anymore. So he's coming into the best years of his career. And hopefully, 
the injury problems um you know they won't uh, they won't trouble him uh, and disrupt that uh, Mesut Ozil I thought excellent again despite what some of the people on television thought Tony Gale in particular there was one moment where I agree with Tony Gale where Ozil had the ball down the right-hand side. There was a ball over the top. I think it was from Chambers. And uh, he seemed to have the ball under control, but got buffeted off it by Wesley Schneider. Now, I don't expect Ozil to go toe-to-toe with a six-foot-four-inch centre-half and come out on top. But a little guy like Schneider, I think he could be a little bit stronger there. Uh, even just be a bit cleverer with the ball and he wouldn't get wouldn't get it taken off him. But overall, I thought Ozil played really, really well. Instrumental in the centre of the park, influential. The way he moved the ball around was great and uh, was good assist for the Alexis goal. And he looks like he's a guy who's playing himself back into form. But every time Tony Gale mentioned him, it was negative. As if he was having a stinker of some kind, which is very far from the truth. And he looks at Ozil's body language, and uh, we know he's a bit laconic, you might say. And he's never going to be one of those really pumped-up guys like Alexis. And uh, he does run, but he doesn't run charging about the place like a headless chicken. So, Gale's... I don't know. It's almost as if he went into the game with this preordained agenda to talk about how disappointing Mesut Ozil is... And um, I think he made himself look a bit silly. Then again, maybe football is just different when you're Tony Gale. The greatest moments in football through the eyes of Tony Gale. Here's Maradona again. And has Chaka to his left and Valdano to his left. He doesn't. He won't need any of them. Oh, you have to say that's magnificent. There is no debate about that goal. Well, I think, I think he didn't really look like he wanted to score that. That was just pure football genius. All he's done there is just run and, and score. It's not that difficult. And the crowd in the Azteca Stadium stand him. No idea why. Inside one, away from another. He's overcomplicated it. And the coolness under pressure to play the ball home with the side of his foot. Look, he might just have scored one of the greatest goals anybody's ever seen, but he, he just doesn't look interested. His body language is all off, and he's a bit fat, actually. Oh, I'd take him off. Making football as joyless and miserable as possible, it's Tony Gale. Right then, time to meet our guests this week. We've got Champions League to look back on, Chelsea to look forward to, I guess, and lots of other stuff too. So first, you'll know him from here with his Arse blog column and also on Vital Arsenal. it's Tim Stillman. Hello. Good evening. And a bit of a podcasting, Arsenal podcasting crossover here. We've got uh, DJ Tayo. How are you? I'm very well, Andrew. Thanks for having me here. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. This is uh, hopefully not a bad crossover like Simpsons and Family Guy. <laughs> um, oh, no, 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 no. It's, uh, let's think of it as uh, a good bit of... Uh, did, did Batman and Spider-Man ever have a comic together? Let's, let's think of it as a, uh, as a, a joint powers rather than anything, <laughs> anything, anything more sinister. No, it's good to be here. I I like the way you're thinking. I'm going to start with you. Um, we'll touch on Wednesday night's game against Galatasaray. Um, how much should we take from uh, the performance? I mean, I thought Arsenal were very good. Galatasaray weren't that good. But, I mean, does that really matter in a season when we've been looking for the team to put in this kind of a display? Oh, well, you just answered it yourself. If you haven't got, if you can't enjoy us playing well when we do play well at a game that, you know, if we were there, then 
you enjoyed it, if you watched it on TV, having seen what we've had to go through this season, um, what we should take from it is that a team played well against a team that's not very good, but we also played a not very good team on Saturday <laughs> and didn't and didn't play well. So um, it was good to see that there was some kind of fluidity. It was good to see goals where there were supposed to be goals. It was good to see attacking play where there was supposed to be. And, um, yeah, I think we should enjoy it. And hopefully it will be something that we can build on. We haven't really managed to do that as yet but um, as far as yesterday goes it was just it was fun all round mm. Tim uh, the, the formation and, and the, the team that the manager picked um, his hand was obviously forced a little bit by the injuries but mm. nevertheless he still had a little bit of a surprise when he played Santi Cazorla in, in the centre of midfield I don't think he's going to do that against Chelsea on on Sunday nevertheless it was an interesting move and one that I think worked very well it was an interesting move. I, I actually do think he's going to play Cazorla in mid, uh, in central midfield on Saturday, uh, Sunday rather, but not that deep. I think he'll be the highest of uh, of the midfielders, and I think we'll see Özil for better or worse out wide again. Mm. Um, but it it did work. And actually, one thing I was thinking about, um, you know, just when I was kind of thinking about what I'm going to say um, on on this podcast and, and things like that, I, I was I was thinking about. Um, when the when I see Arsenal starting line up at the moment, I still can't guess how we're going to line up. Um, mm. And actually, I'm I'm not sure that at the moment that doesn't seem like feel like a good thing. But actually, it might end up being a good thing. And I was thinking about the kind of the end of Ferguson's reign, where I think Ferguson's real success in his last three or four years at United was the fact that he had 22 players that could cover. 50, 60 positions between them. So when United went and played a big game, even when he, he named his starting lineup, you'd think, I've got no idea how they're going to line up here. And you, you don't know how they're going to line up until the game starts. And that's what I thought yesterday. I saw the starting lineup and I thought, right, does that mean Cazorla's on the right or the left? Does that mean Ozil's on the right, the left or the centre? Does that mean Chamberlain's in midfield? And actually what ended up happening is they all ended up doing a little bit of each, um, particularly Ozil and Chamberlain, who particularly early on um, were swapping over quite a lot. And we saw Ozil and Wilshere swapping over a lot against Spurs. So it's 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 kind of, it, it's a bit strange at the moment um, because usually for the last few years, Arsenal have been quite easy to work out, um, particularly when we've been built around, you know, a player like Cesc Fabregas, for example, when he was with us you know where Cesc Fabregas is going to play. You're playing Olivier Giroud up front where you know he's leading the line. He's not going to play anywhere else and he's going to have people around him looking to join in. Um, and actually, this could end up being an interesting development for Arsenal, um, particularly when you look at what we've got up front because we could potentially name Walcott, Welbeck and Sanchez in our team and you might have no idea who's going to play in the centre, who's going to play wide whether they all swap over. And I think that was the interesting thing about last night, that there was quite a lot of fluidity. Um, and actually, it worked this time. Um, mm. And I think it's it's not just um, a case of enjoying the performance uh, from a supporter's point of view, but Arsenal are a team that really relies on confidence. And what was lovely to see when we went 2-0 up was to see that one-touch passing coming back, that just bumping the ball off, moving, running, um, that that's when Arsenal are really at their best and when they're playing like that it doesn't really matter so much where where players are playing um, if they're enjoying themselves and yeah. I, I really hope that last night you know just gives us a little bit of a boost going into Sunday uh, Tayo I mean we can talk about fluidity and, and the wide positions and even in central midfield but it just struck me that um, 
it would, wouldn't necessarily be the best idea to be fluid about who's playing centre forward after the display we saw from Danny Welbeck. Um, now, I, you can't compare him with Thierry Henry, but what you can do is compare the way he finished a couple of those chances with Thierry Henry. And it was the, 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 the similarities were kind of uncanny, particularly with, with the second goal, the header, the strength, yeah. the pace to hold off the defender, and, and the finish was just was pure Thierry. Yeah, I really enjoyed. Um, I really enjoyed the second goal for, for for those reasons. Just the the header on the control, the way that he fought off uh, whichever defender it was. The name escapes me. And as you say, the way he opened himself up for the finish. Um, for the, I, I love a dink. I get very excited about <laughs> dinks. I, you know, look away passes and dinks. We had a look away Alexis pass for his first goal and then we had a dink taken on the run I don't think that Danny Welbeck's third goal would have been scored if he hadn't scored the other two if that makes sense yeah. you know I don't think he would have relaxed that uh, he visibly relaxed he was in a you know he was in the groove you know he looks like Big Daddy Kane he was kind of <laughs> he, was, he was relaxing like Big Daddy Kane and he finished you know he finished with, um, with that kind of skill and if that develops I, then you know we all know about him playing in his favourite position and so forth. If that develops, then um, then then we're really onto something there. And um, yeah, I know uh, I know what you mean about the the comparisons with 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 the great man. Um, and you know we can only hope that kind of happens. But what also was a great thing about Danny Welbeck is just I mean just the energy that he puts out and just the way that it, it, it's infectious. It's the, the guys around him. Um, I mean Alexis Sanchez will run around with no with, with with no encouragement anyway. But the way that we were hunting again a not very good team, fair enough. Um, but the way that we were hunting, the way that those two were were hunting, the way that Ox played his part in that as well um, was just was fantastic to see and. Just on the point about um, on, on, on Cazorla, it, it kind of loosens my intestines a little bit. The idea of having you know uh, Chelsea's finest kind of bearing down on him on, on on Sunday. But what I did like about him playing in that position, and, and I don't want this to turn into you know a kind of flame throwing at, 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 at Flamini, but when the ball came out from defence um, in, the, in, the, in exactly the same way that. Um, Flamini couldn't kind of control it. Um, you didn't have, you, you will never have that problem with Cazorla. And he turned his first touch, and you know, before he puts his kind of sanding wedge pass, which we all love, the crossfield kind of uh, backspin pass that he does, he plays so well. Um, before he does that, he, his, his body shape is fantastic to take the ball from off his defenders and actually set the game going again. So for that reason, it would be nice to see him in that position. Though from the more defensive angle, then I will, I will gag myself a little bit. Yeah, I mean, there is that. I was talking to somebody during the week who suggested that perhaps, uh, Tim, you know, going 4-3-1-2 might be, a, might be an idea given the personnel that we have um, to try and shut out Chelsea a little bit um, in midfield, but we might just come back to that um, later and just uh, stick with Danny Welbeck just for mm. for a couple of moments. Um, players who arrive at new clubs and who haven't quite made the grade at their old club. Uh, it's not to say he did badly at Manchester United, but he kind of stagnated there. Um, in a way, they, they sort of have nothing to lose um, when they come to a new club, but at the same time, you need a performance or a breakthrough to convince both uh, the fans, the, the new teammates, the manager that you're up to the job. 
Um, I think Welbeck uh, could could have had that performance last on on Wednesday yeah. night. I keep doing that. We're recording on Thursday, so uh, forgive me. Well, yeah, I I think um, the, the thing I like about Welbeck, I, I think he's got um, I think he's got a brain in his head. I think he's got a football brain as well. I think he's quite a tactically intelligent player, which possibly wasn't to his advantage at United, and he didn't get played at centre forward. Um, but I, I like the fact he was intelligent enough to, to realise that he was stagnating. It would have been quite easy for him to stay at United. It's his boyhood club. It's the team he supports. He's won plenty of trophies, still getting in the England team. It would have been quite easy for him to stay there, um, I think. But I like the fact that, mm. you know, he realised he was stagnating and he wanted a new challenge. And, you know, new signings do tend to, you know, out of necessity talk a bit of fluff when they first signed but I really believed him when he said um, I pictured myself in this Arsenal team um, and I can see myself running onto those passes and I, I believed him when he said that um, and I think I think we saw that last night and um, I think one thing I really enjoyed about his performance as well was um, the variety of the finishes all three of them very different but exactly what was required um, I mean the, the, the Omri comparisons obviously entirely unfair I think a much fairer comparison for Welbeck is I think that he holds the ball up very well possibly not as well as Giroud but he can hold it up and he runs in behind and finishes very well and possibly not as well as Walcott but he still does both very very well and I think he possibly reduces our dependence on those two players certainly as as a partnership and individuals Um, and I think that's very interesting for Arsenal, I think that's very interesting for Arsene Wenger because if he's got a player that can do both, um, you know, he can potentially fit another one of his lightweight playmakers in there. He's going to turn. He's going to turn many bad passes into good passes and good passes into great ones for that reason. Exactly. Because he's, because he's so quick. Uh, he's so quick, actually. I was, I'm surprised, um, like watching him as close up as we are now to see to see him do that and to have that kind of option when as you say when Theo Walcott comes back um, is going to be is super exciting for the players for the playmakers as well we haven't had that with um, we haven't had that obviously we get the strengths of Giroud in, in, in other areas but um, and I think Danny Welbeck will get so much better at holding the ball up and I think when he as his confidence grows as he, you know, as he puffs his chest out a bit I think he'll start beating up a few defenders there was an incident, wasn't there, with um, company, was it, in the Man City game? Yeah. But he was knocked on his arse and he didn't like it and got up and had a bit of words with him. And, you know, sometimes we've been missing that bit of fight. But also um, what we've got in this team now that we haven't necessarily had over the last six months. And maybe this is something that we've got to get used to, perhaps uh, a re- not a reason, but um, we haven't been a team that's had a lot of pace in it for a long time and now we've got Alexis we've got Welbeck we've got Oxlade-Chamberlain we've got Walcott to come back in it does change the way that you play so rather than looking for runners bursting you know from deep you've got these forward players with lots of pace we're used to playing into Giroud who's going to like try and flick it off here there and everywhere I mean is that something we should we should uh, take into account when we look at the way the team has, has set up this season definitely I think so and I, I think um Actually, possibly Giroud's worst career move um, might have been coming on in the second half at Everton and providing us with a plan B and scoring a header in in the last minute because (laughs) I think that might be his future um, at Arsenal, quite frankly. I I do think that Wenger's been looking for the right player to reduce his kind of dependence on playing in that style, which I don't think 
is the style he really wants to go with. Um, and actually, it, it might have been a terrible career move from Giroud, <laughs> not, not just against Everton, but actually he's come on, he came on as, as a sub in a few games and actually affected it. And, um, and I, I think if most of us are honest with ourselves, that's what we probably see Giroud at, at a club like Arsenal, a good, solid plan B when things aren't going very well or, you know, a player for certain games. And I, I think that Welbeck's form um, and the way he's fitting in, um, you know, together with Giroud looking like a decent plan B, yeah. that, that might be the way things go now. That's an interesting point um, yeah. because I think people, um, Tayo had been saying exactly that, that I think he gets, um, there's a creaky door. Um, he he had been getting uh, quite a lot of stick and, and does get a lot of stick and particularly when Welbeck does uh, what he did on, on Wednesday night and everyone goes, well, you know, this is what we've needed, Giroud is shit. But I think you do, if you, if you uh, get rid of Giroud, then you leave yourself in the same position in the sense that you've only got one striker, you're so dependent on them. Uh, and for me, I think uh, if Giroud is that number two option, then it's a very good one. And probably yeah, explains did. why the manager has uh, extended the contract. Yeah, I've got no problem with him extending the contract with him. I've also got no problem with Giroud. I, don't, I, I, I think the main problem with Giroud came because, as you said, because he was, he, he was out there on his own doing his thing. I think one thing they noticed yesterday was that we became dangerous from further back again because now we have this pace now we have hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little so naturally when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you that's right we're cutting the price of mint unlimited from 30 dollars a month to just 15 dollars a month give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch $45 $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Um, we we have these players who can who can break in the way that you know we know and love from crying to our beers ten years ago. You know we've got we we, we know how we can play like that. Uh, Giroud's flicks are fantastic, but they are, of course the most effective when when he's around the edge of the box. And although we didn't score the great breakaway goal that we threatened to yesterday, Cazorla's were you know Cazorla's was at the end of the game when he was tired. Welbeck had the ball taken off his feet at the last minute, but we were dangerous from deep again. And when you've got um, Alexis and and Oxlade Chamberlain and Theo Walcott um, running on to running on from deep, breaking from whether it's their corner or whether the, the play breaks down in, in in our final third, it's really exciting to see that again. And um, yeah. Yeah, it's, we've got another option now. To have these players buzzing around Giroud when he does come on will be will be just as effective. We need to play more than one way because we certainly can't win only one way, as we've uh, unfortunately proven again and again. <laughs> Tim, I want to ask you about Wojciech Szczesny. Um, <laughs> criticised for the sending off yesterday, but I mean, I think in that situation, he's very much in a no-win. It's You know, he just can't win, uh, apart from getting the ball, obviously. But, um, you know, people said, well, we're 4-0 up, you should just let him score, which is, I, I don't quite understand how they think any goalkeeper in the world would A, do that, and B, get away with it afterwards. Can you imagine if he just said, well, I might have been sent off, so I let him go around me and score. He'd just be, he'd be killed. Um, 
he's somebody who I suppose isn't convincing everyone. Um, and I noticed uh, a Twitter exchange you were having with uh, with uh, Elliot Yankee Gunner there, mm. and I'm very much of the same mind. I think he's a very, very good goalkeeper, still only 24 as well. And, you know, this is part and parcel of a goalkeeper's life. Definitely, definitely. And I, I, I thought he was quite unfortunate, actually, with um, with the red card. He clearly, I, I think he's quite strong in those situations and he's very brave. Um, my mind goes back to that beautiful time he took Gareth Bale out Um, and you know he's a bit like Bob Wilson I suppose he'll he'll stick his head in he doesn't mind and his his arms are very very strong in those situations you know he's almost got like a bear-like kind of swatting action going on and you know I think Chesney I think he's going to be a high risk high reward goalkeeper because you know and I think Wenger likes that that's why Wenger bought Jens Lehmann he likes the quick distribution he likes the sweeper keeper, and occasionally that will lead to the odd error. Um, I, you know, I, I, I think Chesney was rather unfortunate. And actually, I was, me and friend were talking on the way out of the stadium, and I, I thought the Galatasaray goalkeeper was more worthy of a red card right at the end when Santi Cazorla went through and mm. kind of dinked the ball over him, and the keeper took him out. And if that's not a, a clear goal scoring opportunity, I don't know what is. But because it wasn't given, it's not spoken about, and. Um, and the rest of it, but I've I've got an awful lot of time for Chesney. I don't think that's any great secret. Um, of course, he's got flaws to iron out, but I think he's he's a guy who's prepared to do that. He certainly strikes me as a guy who who's kind of sober in his own kind of self assessment and and understands uh, where his strengths and weaknesses lie. Mm. Um, and I, I think he's got the perfect personality for a goalkeeper. Um, and you know, I, I think it's. I, I think we're kind of just in a time where we're very hypercritical, um, kind of, of of our players. And all, all goalkeepers make mistakes. Seaman made some very, very high high profile howlers, and I I do wonder how some of those would be received today. Yeah. Um, you know, and and I'm not saying that Chesney's quite on Seaman's level yet, but. I think you'll get there. I really mm. do. I remember watching the 89 season review video a while back. And I think in the first game, David O'Leary played a pass straight to somebody who, and they scored. And you're just looking at it going, Christ, if that happened today, yeah. <laughs> yeah. it'd be murder. Taylor, what do you make of Chesney and in the, in the circumstances of, of what happened on Wednesday night? Do you think he was unlucky or is that just something he's going to have to work on? Cause it's not the first time he's been caught out. Yeah, um, again, you said it, Andrew. It's not, it's not unlucky because it, it, cause it's not unlucky when it keeps happening. You know what I mean? The fact that um, I said it keeps happening, it happens to him sometimes um, more than it does to other people. So there's a potential question mark there. That said, I think he's a fantastic keeper. I think he's going to keep improving. Um, like Tim just said, I think there's a desire to have the shiny new thing all the time. And if the shiny new thing means replacing um, someone without that good reason that sometimes we want to do that. We all had lots of fun with David uh, Ospina yesterday when he came on, um, but I'd be much more confident on um, on the few performances I've seen with with, with Chesney, Mr. Chesney, than than I would with Ospina, uh, who had a touch of the Aurelio Gomez is about him um, <laughs> for, for me yesterday. Um, I'm, I'm I'm a fan of uh, Ches, Chesney, but I think he needs to. Um, 
well, he's a young keeper who's improving in front of our eyes. So I've got no problem with how he's uh, how he's progressing. All right. Um, right, I'm going to stick with you because we've got a game on Sunday, obviously, against Chelsea. And spicy as it is, generally speaking, and we know what's at stake and we know the record that we have at Stamford Bridge, there's, there's the other thing going on with this game. Um, and Sesk, uh, Sesk will be playing in a, in a horrible colour of blue. What, how are you feeling about the whole thing now? I mean, it took me a month to watch a Chelsea game because I just couldn't. It just was horrible. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm as broken hearted as I think all of us on this on on, on this call are. I mean, I, I I don't hold and I'm not criticising anyone's opinions, of course. But there is I've had people in my face saying, "Look at he's a, he left us and 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 all the rest of it." But what I see is a fantastic footballer who I invested quite a lot of emotional energy in playing for someone else who I just happen to love. Um, <laughs> so um, I've got a real problem with it. I, I, I told myself I wouldn't watch any Chelsea games. Then I watched his kind of matrix pass in the first game and um, to, who were they playing? Was it Burnley? When, um, yeah, that one when he put in Scherler and started gnashing and wailing, you know, uh, on the sofa and I've told myself I wouldn't watch since. But you don't really have to because all you keep hearing is assist from assist from Cesc. So look, it's gonna be it's gonna be horrible. All we can do is um all we can do is put I hope he doesn't get uh, booed. I imagine he will. I'm a big fan of him and it just pains me more than anything else. I I bear him any ill will. Um I wish he played for us. That's my that's just how I feel about it. Mm. Tim, um, does it add extra spice to you or is the sheer contitude of Chelsea in any circumstances, <laughs> is that enough? That's, that, that is enough. Um, but yeah, of course it does. And, and I think he's going to get um, a hot reception from our lot. Um, whether he really 100,000% deserves that on a rational level, I'm not sure. But he's a Chelsea player now, so I, I don't yeah. really care. <laughs> but yeah, yes, obviously, you know, when, when it comes to this sort of thing, I, you know, I, I've got a heart of fucking stone, quite frankly. But I, you know, I, I would be absolutely lying if I said that I, you know, I had no problem with watching him play for them. And you know, I watched the Sporting Lisbon game on Tuesday mainly because, you know, I'll make no bones about it. I was hoping to see him and Diego Costa limp off um, some kind of decapitation. Um, And, you know, and they do that little kind of um, camera sweep across the line when the Champions League thing's playing and and, and then, you know, it just comes to John Terry and you say, oh, no, (laughs) this is awful. And, you know, I, I I honestly get the impression that Sesk went there kind of reluctantly, not not 100% reluctantly, obviously, because he knows that um, for all their contitude, they're a good team and they're going to win trophies while he's there. He's going to win stuff there. Um, that's, you know, it's as simple as that. And we're going to have to suck that up when that when that happens. But, you know, I think it's very clear from, from his interviews and, and, and such like that if we'd have wanted him, he'd, he'd be playing for Arsenal this yeah. year. And I don't think he'd have considered any other offer even though Chelsea can pay him more, I don't think that would have come into it. And I think he's he's in a tricky situation in that he's trying to make that quite clear, but he doesn't want to piss off the 
pack of knuckle dragging assholes that are his supporters now so he's kind of in a a bit of a tricky position he can't just say look i didn't want to join these guys but you know um so it it does add a bit um i i think you know there'll be an exorcism of sorts because he is quite a spiky character on the field sesk he's he's very competitive and i think he'll probably get a bad reception and i think for him if not for us that will probably uh, put some things to rest. Yeah. I, think, I think that um, we can only hope that he's got the kind of porcelain character of a of a Nazarene who will go to pieces, or when Adam Bayer will go to pieces when no. they play, you know, um, or that, or the inevitably spiky Wilshire who's going yes. <laughs> who's going to take him out and headbutt him in the nose immediately, and that will set and that will make us feel a little bit better. You do need those kind of you you you. you you need that kind of spark. I think that the latter's more likely than the former. I think he can control himself, and I think he can hand himself and not better than those weak, spined um, former players that I mentioned previously. No, there's no way he gets he gets wound up or or affected to the, to the point where he doesn't perform. To my mm. mind, I, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, wouldn't surprise me if he got you know if he got sent off first minute. That'd be all right, wouldn't it? <laughs> depending on how depending on how he does it. Um, Tayo, how, how do you see us um, faring in this one? Because it hasn't been a fixture that's been kind to us uh, for a few years, and obviously last season was particularly grim. Um, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's, it's it's terrifying, Andrew. If I'm honest, <laughs> um, um, you know. Um, you go up thinking that Arsenal are going to win all the time, and you can, and you, or at least hoping so. Um, they look pretty, they look pretty feisty. But I think that I think we've got enough good players there to. I think we've got enough good players there to 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 get a result against them. They all need to play well. It's just something that hasn't happened so far this season. We can enjoy yesterday. Um, we enjoyed the three minutes of Villa, and it's been it's been such a sort of stop start of the season that I am full of dread. But then we also used to go away to those. We also, we used to go away in their in their pomp. I'm pretty sure and do okay against them. Mm. Um, and I can see I can see Oxlade Chamberlain really getting to grips with this game. I can see Ozil continuing, you know, a renaissance of sorts where he's thinking, oh, well, hang on, I'm actually better than all their players as well. So I can... I'm, I'm watching myself say this. I'm just watching myself on the outside of the room laughing at myself saying this. <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't know. I'm a gibbering wreck, as you've just heard for the last two minutes about it. Um, I would be happy to not lose there this time. Yeah. Yeah, Tim, um, just finally, he's going to bring Jack Wilshire back into the side, I guess, mm. because uh, just to give us a bit more midfield stability, who do you think that is going to miss out from the team that, that started uh, against Galatasaray? Good question. I think it might end up being Chamberlain. Um, I can see Cazorla playing in central midfield. I think we might see Ozil um, kind of playing from the left and... I'm slightly more comfortable with Ozil wide if it's Cazorla he's swapping with because I think those two have a good understanding. Mm. Um, and I, I can see him playing Sanchez um, from the right as well. So I, I do think that ultimately it will be Chamberlain. But I, equally, I wouldn't be that surprised if he plays Chamberlain instead of Sanchez because he doesn't want to lose the ball um, against Chelsea uh, high up the pitch. So... What, neither of those things would surprise me, but I, I just think 
you know, obviously defensively, we completely and utterly fell apart there in March. But the other thing was, we, I, I don't remember us creating a single shot on goal, even when the game was, you know, 6-0 after, what, 60 minutes? Well, there was that well, one, did, wasn't there? We, there was, there we was started, Giroud. didn't we? We created the first chance, didn't we? Yeah, and Giroud kind of scuffed it a bit. That was the only one, I think. And, and Oxley chamberlain sorry, Tim. Oxley chamberlain had uh, such a stinker last time that um, um, I, Alexis is probably... Oxley chamberlain was so good yesterday, I thought, but um, I still yeah. think that um, faced with, face with grown-ups, he'd be better off coming off the bench than... Um, than I agree. Um, than, than, than starting the game. Mm, both our, our Oxlade Chamberlains had an unfortunate time there last year. <laughs> yes. Yeah. All and, right. And ultimately, who's who's going to score you a goal? Um, who's going to cause Chelsea some trouble? I think Mourinho would be delighted uh, to see Sanchez on the bench. Yeah. Um, myself. So Sanchez on the bench it is. <laughs> All right. Uh, gents, we better leave it there. Tim Stillman, thank you. Thank you very much. And the uh, the most excellent DJ Tayo. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. Cheers to both my guests. You can uh, check them out on Twitter, of course. Make sure you give them a follow. Tim is at LittleDutchVA, at LittleDutchVA. And Tayo is at DJ Tayo, at DJ Tayo. So uh, give them a follow. We'll have other stuff, I guess, to come between now and the end of the show. Um, otherwise, it would end now, and it's not going to. But first, another bit of this. The greatest moments in football through the eyes of Tony Gale. Henri, chance of a breakout. Will Tour to his right, Bergkamp to his left. They'll do well to catch up with Thierry Henri, though. He's drifted away from Carr. Henri! What a fabulous solo goal by Thierry Henri. You say solo, I say greedy. A long-distance goal, followed by a long-distance celebration. He should be booked for that. And Arsenal are back in the goal-scoring business after their midweek blank. That's Henri. He's got to be more consistent. Henri's been short of a goal or two just recently. Maybe if he keeps working hard, he might win these fans over, but I'm not convinced. But look at the confidence as he breaks from inside his own half, stepping away from Carr and from King and picking his spot. He had options. And chose to ignore them. That, that's a worry for me. Thierry Henry moves into double figures for the season. If he really wants to be taken seriously, he needs to get into triple figures or quadruple figures. Honestly, I'd have taken him off ages ago. Making football as joyless and miserable as possible. It's Tony Gale. No, oh, it is. It's a big joy, isn't it, listening to Tony Gale commentate on an Arsenal game right up there with Stuart Robson commentating on an Arsenal game. Hmm. Never see the two of them in the same room, do you? I think we should we should do that. Put them in the same room and make them try and out-commentate each other on Arsenal because surely uh, the relentless negativity would would build and fester inside them and each one would try and outdo the other until the point of, of fisticuffs. And fisticuffs, well, you can do some damage, but look, eventually there's that part in your head that says, yes, I can I can pummel this man with my fists, but what if I get a plank of wood with a nail in it? And then, of course, he gets a plank of wood with a nail, and then like, man, it could work out very well for humanity. So uh, one of the TV channels, please get Tony Gale and Stuart Robson to just commentate on an Arsenal game. I mean, this strikes me that it could be a very good reality TV show commentator fights 
where they're both stuck in a booth and we're all watching like the Truman Show and oh, imagine this would be amazing. There can be only one winner. And each one would fight. Oh, my God, this is brilliant. Robbie Savage and Michael Owen going at it. Oh, that would be that would be something. We're not far from the whole running man territory, are we, in terms of reality TV? You know, they have shows where people are sent away to islands to survive, and they have shows where people are made to live in a house with each other, and shows where poor, unfortunate people are given plastic surgery because they're convinced that their self-worth is, is uh, tied up with how they look. How much further do we have to go before football commentators and pundits are forced to kill each other for our entertainment? How long do we have to wait for this? I'm not, I'm not that vexed about it, really, but I still think it's a good idea. And um, uh, I'm copywriting it now, out loud, just in case it happens in the future. Arscast325, if it happens in the future, I'm going back and uh, claiming all the royalties on that one. So looking ahead to the weekend, and oh, yeah, it's Chelsea. Chelsea, and as we were talking about with the boys, it is um, a prospect that's not altogether comforting or there's not any sense of we might win this and at this point unambitious as it might be i would take a draw for sure i take a draw Uh, i would love obviously very dearly for us to win surely we are overdue a, a win against Mourinho. wenger is certainly overdue a win against Mourinho. is the law of averages going to be on our side will john terry fall over again That would be good. I could live with that. I'd enjoy that, particularly if he fell over the the prostrate body of Jose Mourinho, who is not dead. We're not going that far. But he's had some kind of cerebral event that gives him locked-in syndrome. You know that where people just lie there, their bodies can't move, they can't do anything, but they're perfectly aware Their brain hasn't shut down, but their body has completely. And it's just, they're there and all they can think about is, ah, shit. And then he would have all the time in the world, eternity, well, a lifetime, to reflect on what an absolute cunt he is. And then, of course, you know, we could score a goal while they were on the ground and stuff. Maybe not very sporting, but hey, I wouldn't complain. Not in the slightest. I think you got to take your goals and points wherever you can get them, particularly against Chelsea. Um, people are obviously worried about this because of what happened there last season, and uh, it's the first big test again this season. We got beaten away at Liverpool, beaten away at Manchester City, and badly beaten away at Chelsea. Um, and this is the first real test of that. Even though we played Manchester City this season, we played them at home, and at home we didn't have a bad record. Uh, against the big teams. I don't think we got beaten, did we, last season? But it was away from home, and yeah, I think that will be playing on people's minds. But look, if we can manage to keep 11 players on the pitch, if we can perhaps not concede early goals and give away silly penalties, and and if we can go into the game with a plan to, um, I suppose, ensure that uh, the weaknesses that we have in the team aren't uh, ruthlessly exposed then we should avoid another 6-0, at the very least. But look, let's uh, let's remember we're going into the game quite confident. Welbeck hat-trick, Alexis goal, Ozil playing better in the middle, uh, Oxlade-Chamberlain doing well. You know, it's going to require a huge, huge team effort because Chelsea have been very good this season, but they are just 11 players and... 11 cunts, sorry. Um, 
I don't know. I don't know. I want to be positive about it, but at the same time, you know, it's, it's kind of difficult. It's kind of difficult, but you just never know with football. It's one of those uh, weird games, and if we have one of those you-never-know days on Sunday, then all the better. And following that, of course, we've got an interlull. So, oh, man, can you imagine an interlull? If we don't get a good result, it's just going to be 13, 14 days of absolute abject misery, which is uh, not healthy for anyone. So from that point of view, it'd be great if the team would win and make everyone's life easier and kind of boring because, you know, two days in, you get bored of talking about how you won, but, like, nobody gets bored of talking about how you lose even after even after weeks. So come on, team, do it for the mental health of everybody and also the points and all that kind of crack. Um, so that's really about that. Don't forget, if you've got tickets, we've got the Arscast Extra live on um, Monday evening in uh, Union Chapel Bar on Upper Street. We'll be discussing, dissecting the Chelsea game. Hopefully um, hopefully it'll be a laugh-a-minute romp on Monday night. Uh, myself and James will be there. We've got definitely one guest coming along and hopefully another, uh, which will certainly make it a bit more interesting than, and than just us two prattling on uh, as we do on a Monday. Um, that podcast will be available to you on Tuesday. Uh, recording live as it is so we'll uh, we'll have to uh, wait to get it up until Tuesday um, and, and that's about it so look let's just keep fingers crossed for Sunday that goes as well as it possibly can and not as bad as it has done in the past so until the next Stars cast take it easy have yourselves a great weekend cheers bye bye Hello everyone, Tony Adams here with another poem on the Arscast. This week, the focus of my verses, Tony Gale, the former Fulham, West Ham, Blackburn, Crystal Palace and Maidenhead United player. It is a particularly sick rhyme and it goes like this. Oh Tony Gale, you are male. What you said on Sky was a big fail. I think it might derail your career. Oh, Tony Gale, your surname is another word for high wind, which is ironic because I would like a hurricane to take your house away and transport you miles from here because you're a cunt. Thank you very much. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to health care, it pays to be extra. 
And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.